Welcome to the Homeland Show, episode 37, Proxbox Backups and Proxbox Backup Server. This is a topic that uh, Jay's going to take the lead on. He is our resident Proxbox expert here. I also already have linked in the show notes a more in-depth discussion where Jay put together a long, more visual-oriented tutorial. In this podcast, we plan to just kind of discuss it, talk about some of the features of it, and learn about it. But if you're looking for the visual side of it, that is, of course, linked in the show notes and linked right over onto uh, Jay's site and his YouTube channel for a more in-depth step-by-step tutorial on it. It's a pretty cool product. Now, uh, first thing we got to do is get out of the way is uh, thank our sponsor, Linode. And Linode is how you're listening to this if you downloaded it from our website. And uh, that's actually a question someone, I think, had tagged me on Twitter on just asking what it looks like on the back end. Uh, Jay actually managed it specifically in a Linode instance with uh, WordPress, open light speed, and then just raw MP3 downloads we make available to people. But of course, we are using some other tools such as uh, Blurberry to syndicate it everywhere. But actually, it all sources from the server we host over in Linode. Uh, So it's not just something we talk about as a sponsor. It's something we actively use and engage with. We have an offer code down below if you'd like to start using Linode for any of the projects we talked about here on the Home Lab or any of your other things you want to host in the cloud. Because as cool as it is to host a lot of things in your house, uh, we have made the decision that the website should not be hosted in-house for either one of us. It is more practical because our goal is to make this very popular. And I think, what did we hit, Jay? We have like over 40,000 downloads, I think, on the podcast now. I don't know. It seems like everything, every time I look at it is different. I think the metric I use is, did I have to increase the instance size on Linode? Because, you know, when it gets to the ceiling, I get all these alerts that the CPU is going crazy and the IO is going crazy. So that's happened twice now. So that's my favorite metric. But for the actual metric, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's like going crazy. I love it. Yeah. So, this, and that's in addition to uh, all the streams we get here on YouTube. So it's kind of cool to see that from the back end. Uh, maybe that will be some other episode we talk about is some of the hosting we do in Linode and how we actually run this server that you know puts this podcast in your ears and lets you download it right from the RSS feed. So thanks a lot for being a sponsor. Offer code down below if you're interested. And uh, Jay's going to take it away with the Proxmox backup. Yeah. So a few um, quick updates on my Proxmox server installation. Um just so people have like a visual of what I actually am running here. So I have two Proxmox servers currently, so I don't have high availability enabled because you need at least three servers for that. But I have some flexibility because it's all mine. So if it's down, it's down. I don't have anything on there that um, can't be, you know, recreated from a backup, which we'll get to how to do that shortly. So um, I just have the two servers, high availability. I mean, I could be a few minutes down. It's not going to hurt me any. But um, so I have uh, PVE1 and PVE2, and I have them in a cluster, which means I can, you know, pass VMs back and forth. And one of the amazing things, and I'm I'm sure other platforms do this too, and I think you'll be my um, commentator on the XCPNG side of things, um, you know, for equivalency. Um, Does that support live migration, even if you're not using shared storage? You you can do live migration even when you're not using shared storage and XCPNG. Okay, I was I was, I was I figured that you know you could probably do that. So live migration is the best if you have shared storage. And shared storage is essentially you have your um, network attached storage server that stores all the VM disks. So the 
actual hypervisors themselves only have to pass the VMs back and forth, but the storage is in the same place. That means you can, you know, switch VMs back and forth between the servers in seconds. But on my end, I actually went about it a different way, though. I have two, um, well, I just mentioned I have the two servers, but I have on each an NVMe SSD of one terabyte local storage. And as much as I love having um, shared storage, which I technically do have shared storage, as we'll talk about later when we get to the backups, which I'm just giving you a summary, um, it just it's just so amazing having NVMe because it's just the data transfer is just so fast, especially over 10 gig with NVMe is just great. I mean, but that's overkill for most people, right? So I have all these VMs, they're fast. I can transfer them back and forth. I have to back them up. So that's where we get to Proxmox backups. And I think the main topic is probably going to be the Proxmox backup server, which I did a video on. But you don't need the Proxmox backup server to back up Proxmox VMs. You just need a place to put them. You can have an NFS mount, Samba mount, which I haven't used uh, for this purpose, but NFS is fine. So you have an endpoint somewhere to send the backup files. You could create a backup job per VM. You could create it per server if you'd like, basically put it on a schedule and then send your backups to somewhere um, such as TrueNAS. And I like that because TrueNAS has versioning built in so I could have it take snapshots regularly of the backup storage. So even though, let's say I have like four weeks of backups in Proxmox, then um, I have more than that because I also have snapshots in TrueNAS of that volume containing those backups. And I could probably go back a couple of months, which is pretty cool. So that's a super high level of how mine is set up. Um, before we go into too many details, um, is there anything I missed? I think that's for a quick summary. Uh, sets the stage pretty well. Yeah. I think, I think we kind of get it here. I mean, yeah. if you didn't know, if you've never heard the word Proxmox used before, we have a whole episode on virtualization I can reference uh, where we talk about different virtualization servers, the pros and cons, which I'm a big XCP and G fan, and Jay is a big fan of Proxmox, but there's yep. plenty of other ones out there. If you like and love other ones, that's fine. There's KVM virtualization. There's uh, <laughs> VMware. There's plenty of options out there, whichever one works for you. A lot of, a lot of opportunities. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, that was just a summary of how I have mine set up. So when you're dealing with backups, I mean, VM backups especially, you have to have a lot of space. And I always recommend doing file-level backups as well, even though you have snapshots of the disk. Um, that's great, but I like to have file-level backups as well. And Proxmox Backup Server, which we'll get to, um, kind of marries those things together, which is pretty cool. Now, on my end, I just finished an entire tutorial series on Proxmox itself. And I have this horrible habit. I keep saying Proxmox, like just Proxmox. But what I'm supposed to be saying is Proxmox virtual environment. That's the virtualization solution. It's just that weird thing where you just, you know, habitually shorten the name and you expect everybody to know what the heck you're talking well about. In, uh, for, the way they do it is yeah. a little because isn't there a Proxmox mail server too? I've never looked yes. at, it, but isn't that another product? They have Proxmox yep. mail, and then it says yep. Proxmox VE for virtualization environment, and then Proxmox yep. backup. And each one of these are technically separate products, correct? Correct, one hundred percent correct. So I could say PBS for short, although I don't like doing that because you know I, that 
you know, PBS to me is that, um, you know, TV channel that has all the educational programs on that I like a lot. But um, Proxmox Backup Server, that's a separate product. So in my case, I'm usually saying Proxmox when I mean Proxmox VE when I shorten it like that. But I have a whole series of like, I think, 16 videos and a bonus video that you could check out on my channel. So I'm not going to go too into detail about what Proxmox is. VE specifically what that is because we've already talked about it. Plus I have the video series. So uh, I think everyone's covered when it comes to that. So going back to the backups, we have um, several different modes. Now there's a um, stop mode, there's a suspend mode and a snapshot mode. And my understanding is that the, um, I'm trying to think like the stop mode is going to give you the best consistency because what this that's actually what this pertains to if your vm is off then you're going to get a pretty good backup because you don't have to worry about any files in use or anything like that so if you can do that it's the best now with when it comes to home lab we usually can because we sleep sometimes at least when we're not trying to figure out this crazy problem that's been bugging us for the last two weeks and we can't stop thinking about it but normal situations we actually sleep and while we're sleeping it's pretty easy to have your vms just um, go into stop mode for the backup it's the best thing you can do but if uptime is important to you and you really don't want your vms to be down then that's really not an option and you choose one of the other modes so, um, you know, there's a basically hybrid approach there where it just pauses it or maybe it tries to do it live. Different modes, different types of backups, but you choose which one works best for you. But if you don't care about being down, I would just go a stop mode because you'll always get the best backups you could get in that situation. And then you just have to worry about where you're sending your backups to. And we've talked about TrueNAS a lot. We've talked about Synology. It really doesn't matter. You could have a Linux server in your closet that, that's running NFS and you can send your backups there if you want to. I uh, always recommend offsite. That's another topic altogether. I think everybody's heard me recommend offsite backups at least 100 times. Yes. We recommended 100 more times um, within the next 30 episodes, but um, you know, just have to get that out there. So you could basically schedule the backups any way you want. There's a backup section in Proxmox VE, so you could choose when you want it done. What the, what the mode is you want it to use, which VMs are going to be a part of which schedule, or you could just choose all, which is what I do. I just have one schedule. It's, I think it's like two in the morning, if I'm not mistaken, and it just backs up everything. So you could have like one server backup one time and then another server backup another time if you have a cluster or just have it all in one go. I like to choose all because I don't have to worry about, oh, I just created this VM. Did I add it to the list of servers to back up? I don't remember. Well, if I choose all, it's just going to back up everything. So I never have to really worry about that. So once you have a good backup system going, you're fine. And also you have to worry about like when to age out the snapshots if you take snapshots on your um, NAS. But that's, again, another story. So that's a high level of how the backup works. There's a backup section. You choose when it happens, the mode, which VMs are a part, a part of that. And you also choose where to send the backup to your NFS share, Samba share, or whatever it is you happen to have. And that's the Proxmox VE side of things before we get to the Proxmox backup server side of things. It's kind of interesting because it sounds like now, do you run the Proxmox backup as a VM in the Proxmox VE system or you run it as a separate physical box or either one's viable? The Proxmox backup server component? Yeah. Yeah, so that one, I mean, that's the thing, right? We could always run these things in a really cool way, right? I mean, I've seen so many cool, different, really, uh, I mean, awesome things that people have been doing, whereas they 
you know, run a VM. And I didn't even think that you could run it as a VM. You can run it as a VM, but even if you couldn't, somebody would find a way to do it because <laughs> that's their audience. We're clever. So, yeah. and, and I could, if I was to say, no, you cannot run that as a VM and you should never do that. Then someone's going to say, well, I'll show you, I'm going to do that right now. And it's going to be the most <laughs> awesome VM ever just to wait and see. Um, so, but in all, it really doesn't matter because it's an ISO image, just like any other Linux server. So now we're talking about the Proxmox backup server, the separate component here. Now, um, one thing I do want to mention before I get to that is what I discovered when I looked at it recently, because I did a video about it, in-depth video about it. So I'm not going to go terribly in-depth right now because it's kind of, it's really hard to give you guys a, you know, a vocal description of all these things without showing you and pointing to different things. So that's a little, one of the reasons why I'm, yeah. I'm struggling here, but that's just kind of the nature of the We're going to keep this format. as kind of an overview, but that was, I just wanted that clarification yeah. of like, where does this device yep. live? Or, you know, do we build it on a physical machine outside of our Proxmox? We have our Proxmox yep. single or multi-cluster of hosts. And then where does this, this particular component live? That's all as I was right. making sure I'm clear on. Oh, no worries. Yeah, I just wanted to, um, you know, mention that. So we'll get to that, definitely. But I, as an aside, one of the first things I discovered that I didn't know was that you don't need Proxmox virtual environment to use Proxmox backup server. When I first heard of it, you know, before I actually read about it, before I learned about it, I'm like, well, that's cool. That must be just getting the backup component of Proxmox VE, but putting it in a separate place. Okay, that sounds like a good thing to do. But what I found out is that even if you don't use Proxmox virtual environment at all, there still might be some value in Proxmox backup server anyway, because backing up Proxmox VE is not all it can do. So I just wanted to get that huh. out there in case someone is like, well, this episode doesn't apply to me because I don't use Proxmox you know, VE. So why would I want to use Proxmox backup server? I can't because I have, um, you know, I'm not running Proxmox VE. Well, actually you can. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, now, going into the installation side of things. So can you install in a VM? Yes, absolutely. You can do that. I'm sure it'll be the best VM ever, but um, I wouldn't do that. It, I mean, if you have the infrastructure that can support that, um, that's great. But if you think about, um, I think the bigger question is where do you send your backups to? So if you are running Proxmox backup server as a VM, okay, and that VM is running on your NAS, that worries me a little bit because you're sending essentially the backups to itself. I think it's great to have a different endpoint, like a you know NAS or or something like that. And again, okay. you can just get a desktop out of your closet, um, just have a different place to send the backups to. But Proxmox backup server is an ISO image. It's a Debian Linux installation. You install it, and you'll get a web console. Um, basically, the installer is just like just like Proxmox VE if you've ever used that installer before. Really simple. You put in the name of the server the time zone, um, where you want the storage, like your local storage for the OS. It reboots. You get a um, command prompt that just says, go to this URL, HTTP, and then I forgot the port number, but um, gives you the IP address. You log in, and then you can start adding your backup destinations right there in the web console. And it's a great web console. Everything's written in Rust. That's my understanding. So it's really fast. It works really well. And the interface is pretty easy to use. The only thing that confused me, I think, was the term remote at first, because when I first saw that, I'm like, oh, remote must be where I'm sending the data files to, where, you know, like I'm mounting a remote NFS or SambaShare, but it's not that, actually. Remote is another Proxmox backup server, so that way you could actually sync one backup server to another for redundancy. That's what remote um, pertains to, which I didn't get a chance to use because I only had the one server. 
The other thing I didn't get a chance to use, which it does feature, is um, support for tape backup. I don't have a tape backup system <laughs> here, so I was unable to test that. I, I kind of wish I could have for old time's sake. You know, it, I have a single client that's still looking at. There's just the volume of data that they have um, to purchase more servers. They have it not cross redundant TrueNAS servers, but they wanted to also have tape archival um, just so they have something there. But yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, because tapes are still used. I mean, it's still in, in for their use case. It's still practical for those really, I say archaic, if you look at the old ones, but if you look at the new modern tape systems, they hold quite a bit of data. And uh, you it's know, impressive. That, that reminds me actually, and I, I don't think the audience will disagree, but we might want to talk offline about doing an episode about um, long-term archival because each medium has a different shelf life. And I think that's a pretty important topic to go over, but um, I'm reminded because of tape backup, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now. Let us know if you want us to talk about that. Um, I was thinking to go for a whole old technology episode it might be fun too. <laughs> April 1st is going to be here before you know it. We yeah. We're rocking a, a TRS-80 and uh, Ooh. <laughs> having I'm some TRS-80 and we could have like <laughs> CRTs in the background. I could just decorate the office with old 8-bit technology. Yep, yep. And okay, I'm bringing you way off topic if we dive down the trail. <laughs> <at all. laughs> yeah, I talk about old computers and I love it. Anyway, so back to Proxmox backup server. So you have it installed and well, actually, before I go on, I can't believe I didn't mention the system requirements. So the system requirements are they're recommendations, let's be honest. It depends on how much you're storing and things like that. If you're using it for evaluation, this is straight from their documentation. I kind of wonder if evaluation means home lab, but I know we're not using things for evaluation. We actually use things to use things, but at the, we're often just one user. So they recommend two gigs of RAM and eight gigs of hard drive space, which I assume we all have by now. Um, two cores, it needs to be installed on a 64-bit CPU. So there's that. Obviously, it says you need a network card, of course. How else are you going to communicate with it? You need that. So that kind of goes without saying. Now, when you look at the recommended requirements, they start to recommend four gigs of RAM and uh, four cores and how much hard drive space. So they want a gig per terabyte, which is probably, um, they're referring to ZFS support if I had to guess. And they, uh, they also recommend that you use SSDs, which, you know, that's really expensive. I mean, I would love to have SSDs and NVMe storage on everything, even like my TrueNAS server with eight terabytes of space, but I can't afford that. Um, and a lot of people can't afford that much. Yeah. But if you can get SSDs, I mean, that goes without saying, of course you would. I mean, everyone in Home Lab goes with an SSD if they can, but that's what they recommend if you can do it. It'll still work fine on spinning Rust if that's what you have. I always say use what you have, try it out. Um, worst case scenario, after you install it, if it runs too slow, you just remove it and then use something else. So just go ahead and give it a shot. Yeah, most of Home Lab is running on whatever you have, whatever uh, deals you found at a recycling yep. center or eBay. <laughs> I think that's why Ceph is such a huge topic because people have unlike systems and unlike hard drives the most in Home Lab. So I think Ceph storage is probably the best benefit for for just most people. Pull it all together and make one big server. <clears throat> I'm kind of we have storage. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I'm kind of reminded of Serial Experiments Lane. If anyone's an anime fan, where she has like all these um, computer monitors and servers in her room. But anyway, so <laughs> once you have it installed, then, okay, what can you do with it? So obviously the first thing is backing up Proxmox virtual environment, which of course, I mean, that goes without saying, it's a product by Proxmox. It kind of fits in very well with the rest of the portfolio, although I can't 
confirm mail server because I haven't used it, but it integrates very well with Proxmox Backup Server. There is an option for Proxmox Backup Server when you create a um, endpoint in VE for where to send backups to. There's actually a dedicated option. So you choose Proxmox Backup Server, what the address is, your IP address or domain name, whatever it is you have attached to it. And you could just go ahead and uh, send your backups to it, which is great. But I mentioned earlier that you don't have to use Proxmox Virtual Environment to use Proxmox Backup Server. But there is one downside I'll get to, because um, that sounds great. It is, but it, it's not. Um, you could do file level backups too. Now, what that means is you have a Debian system, an Ubuntu system, or any distribution that's based on Debian or Ubuntu, you can install a backup client. And what you could do with that backup client is you can you you could basically do what's essentially an rsync of the whole file system. Is I mean I'm oversimplifying it. It's much more than that. But if you think about getting a tarball of your entire file system, I think most of us have um, tried that. <laughs> if you haven't tried that. Definitely try it. It's very unique, um, a rabbit hole to go down into. You could actually take a um, manual tarball snapshot of your entire file system. But what it's doing is it's grabbing everything on your server's disk and it's sending it over to the Proxmox backup server. It does incrementals. It does deduplication. So you don't have to worry about it using excessive space on the side of the Proxmox backup server. You just install the repository for the client on your Debian or Ubuntu system. You log in or cache the credentials. There's different ways that you could do it. And if you choose to encrypt your backups, they're encrypted at the source, not in transit, not at the destination. It's encrypted before it leaves the server you are backing up. So if I back up my Debian web server to it, it's going to encrypt it on the web server and then send the encrypted blob over to uh, Proxmox backup server. So that's the way I like it. I don't like things to be encrypted after the fact. I like things to be encrypted before they transmit the wire. And that's exactly what it does. So you have this file level backup or a Proxmox VE virtual machine backup or a Proxmox VE container backup you could actually restore individual files regardless. So if you have a server and you totally botched your Apache config and you just want that one file, but you don't, you don't want to like restore the entire server just for that one file, you can pull that one file. You can mount the backup as a local file system and then grab the file that way. You could just go right in the web browser and go through the files there and see them right in the GUI. So the only downside to that is that the layout looks a little bit different depending on if it's a container, file level virtual environment backup it you know puts the bat the file backup button in a different place but that's just a very minor quirk now the big downside that i have here is notice that i said debian or ubuntu based distribution what if you're running fedora or a red hat system or centos or OpenSUSE? I, my understanding is that you could still use proxmox backup server for a file level backup via the api that it has but I don't know of any clients that were made for those other distributions, which means you got to kind of be in the Debian or Ubuntu camp for this to really be effective. Again, I'm not saying you can't use other distributions. Um, I think when it comes to home lab, whether or not you can do something is exactly equal to how determined you are to do that thing, because we'll still find a way to do it, even if we can't do it normally. But with a backup solution, I don't really like to go through that much trouble to force it to do something. But if you're good at hooking into APIs and writing scripts and things like that, you should have no problem with this whatsoever. But if you are running mostly CentOS or Red Hat-based servers, you'll probably have a little bit of a um, onboarding issue trying to get this all on there, unless those servers are running directly in Proxmox virtual environment, 
because you don't need a backup client on your VMs or containers. You only need the client if you're doing a file level backup on a system that's not in virtual environments. So that's the distinction. Now, quick question here. Mm -hmm. I, I like that it does the encryption at the source for all the file level backups, but it does exactly the same thing when it's backing up VM. So it, the, it, when it's backing up the raw VM out of a Proxmox VE system, it does do encryption at the source for that as well. You know, that's a good question. I, I I can't believe I forgot to look into that during the video. Okay. That's kind of embarrassing. But um, I I don't know. I I would like to assume that it does, but assumptions are always yeah. are not always correct. But I I would certainly hope so. Okay. But that's I didn't go explore the options for that. But the file level backups I did, and I really like the the way it works. You could set up environment variables. Um, for everything, or you know, put your credentials in a file. There, there's different ways that you can do it. And I think as long as you're careful and you don't expose the credentials, obviously you should never do that, then it's a very powerful system because even if it encrypts it locally, but you expose the secrets, then it may as well not have been because then at that point it's blown wide open. Um, and they have a um, backup group system. It's a naming scheme. It's weird, but um, okay, backup group, naming scheme. It's a naming scheme for backups called the backup group, which has the backup ID or the ID of the system that you're backing up, the type that it is, VM, I think it's CT for container, I forgot what it was for file. So there's three different types of backups, but in the GUI, they make it really easy, especially if you have Proxmox virtual environment and you have uh, non-Proxmox VE machines you're doing a file level backup on, or you could even just do file level backups on the VMs and also back up the VMs if you really want to go crazy. But you'll know where the backup came from, what system it belongs to, and you'll have that information right in the name. So it's kind of cool how it sorts it that way. So that way, if you sort it by name, oh, it's that uh, virtual machine, it's this type of backup. And you know, from there, it's pretty easy to drill down and find the file that you're looking for. So um, I actually did a whole video on it. Like I mentioned, check it out. It goes into more detail. But what I have been planning on doing, but I've been so busy is, you know, that video I set up Proxmox backup server on one of my servers. It's actually the one you gave me and, um, you know, donated to the studio. And I think I, I'm just going to actually wipe it, reload it and put Proxmox backup server on it and use it full time because I actually like it that much. It looks, it looks pretty interesting. I, I didn't realize, you know, before even, I purposely didn't watch your video before coming in to do this podcast mm -hmm. because I didn't realize it did more than just back up Proxmox. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I almost like, I mean, I, I think a lot of people might just pass it off because of that reason. Yeah, and, I did. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you're probably not alone on that. So I think it's a great solution if you're using a Debian or Ubuntu based uh, distribution for your Linux instances, then you could just go ahead and back it up. Uh, to that system. And it's, it's totally fine. Now it's free to download. There is like this enterprise repository that's completely optional that you could pay for. I always recommend you support projects. If you have the money to do that, don't force yourself to donate money if you can't afford to. But you know, if Proxmox backup server is saving you money, uh, maybe give them some of that money um, and you get that enterprise repository, but you could just use it without that. It's the same as Proxmox VE. You get more enterprise quality packages and I think they're a little bit more stable. I think sometimes it could be a little bit more bleeding edge the other way, but I've never seen a problem either way. So it usually works just fine. And I usually support them just because, you know, well, I am a business to be fair and I am using it. But even if I wasn't, I probably would like to throw some money over there to, I think it was like 70 US dollars for a Proxmox license for the lowest tier. Um, if you're a business, you could buy support and things like that. But 
I think it's a, a, a pretty decent system to look into. So um, the only time I think twice about it is if you're running something other than Debian or Ubuntu for your local systems. But even then, if you want a good exercise at writing scripts to hook into an API, you could probably do that. Or maybe somebody on GitHub forked the backup client to your distribution, which would be even better. I didn't look, but I assume someone out there probably did that. If you there's always around. someone writing something like that, so there's yeah. probably there's probably ways to make it work. If it works in one Linux distro, it's just a matter of determination to get it to work in the other distros. <laughs> that, and the Arch user repository is a good example of that. I'll bet it's in there. I didn't look, but every time I say I'll bet you it's in the AUR, it, it's usually in the AUR because they have everything but the kitchen sink. They probably do have the kitchen sink in there too. Yeah, um, pretty much everything. So it's it's available. There's other backup solutions too that we should probably look into in the future um i think duplicati comes to mind and what's the other one um uh, boy there's backup pc deja dupe. which uh deja dupe uh, another one that i've never used but a few people have asked me about is like backup pc there's there's a few different ones out there um and I'm, we're kind of narrowing it down to the open source ones i know someone's going to be throwing out there it's already in the comments a bunch of times like veeam because they have a free version my problem is when these companies have free versions uh it kind of dates the podcast because you'll go yeah. but tom an episode whatever number it, you said there was a free version and they discontinued it because lots of companies do freemium right. until they go that's not something we feel like doing anymore because we've got a big enough name in the market that we don't feel like offering a free product so i'm always wary of the offerings that some company has a covering that on there um and right. you know people ask you why i don't do more videos on something like veeam because it's popular i'm like well they have an entire marketing team they're a big company with lots of money so if they want to sponsor me to, you know that's a whole different topic but there's not it's not even something i use uh so yeah. we try to bring awareness to different open source projects out there open source even if they have a business plan around it such as xcpng which is an open source you can use it for free by the way you can support the project too by buying licenses only if you want to but not necessary for uh, usage of the product those kind of products are ones that more align with what me and jay like to use or what we cover would you agree that Veeam is more often used in the enterprise? I mean, that's probably obvious, but do you think there's a use case for Veeam in a non-enterprise home lab environment? I haven't tried personally. I, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about it other than it seems to be like the, you know, because I attend my other, you know, day job, so to speak, running an IT services company means I see ads for Veeam. They're advertising in the enterprise uh, service space. Right. They that's just where they are, uh, know their market niches. And I, I don't, I seem, the people that use it seem to be happy. I've got nothing bad to say about the product, but it's one more closed source backup product that competes with many other ones out there. There's other ones that we have right. used, by the way. It's not that I'm opposed to all backup systems. There's other videos I'll be doing on my channel um, about the MSP tooling that we're using. And of course, that does include backups that are you know, part of cloud backup systems that are completely proprietary. It's just the ones we've chosen to use. I can't cover them all. Um, right. As much as I want to do due diligence and test them all, there are only so many hours in a day. I can't possibly test every single system that's out there. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. We would love to if we could. We would have like 10,000 videos on our channel and everything you could possibly think of. We would love to do it. If like there's uh, 48 hours in a day rather than 24 and, you know, 15 days in a week, I don't know. Um, but yeah. yeah, so Veeam, it's one of those things where... When we, I love it when people recommend something for us to go over. Sometimes I have to ask the question though, if someone's looking at Veeam, like asking us to do a video on it, is that um, that they like it for their home lab or are they using it at work and they want to use it in their home lab so they can learn it and do their job better, which is a completely valid use case. And that's probably why home labs came to be that in Plex, let's be honest. But um, 
that being said, I don't know. I mean, I always kind of wonder if there's a fit for it, but Veeam, yeah, like you said, I haven't looked into it either. But there's definitely other backup solutions we should probably um, look into. Proxmox backup server is just one of those. It's, like I mentioned, a perfect fit. If you're running Debian or Ubuntu and you have an extra box that meets the minimum re minimum requirements, or if you're feeling lucky, just try it anyway. And um, maybe it'll be a good backup system for you. And even if it's not, we will eventually, I'm sure, have episodes and other backup systems out there. There's no shortage of of topics in this space to go over. Oh yeah, and we um, we will do a video uh, just because we covered this part. Um, we may either do a dedicated XCPNG video or one dedicated to XCPNG backups. That's on our list that we threw together because we covered yep. Proxmox backups. Uh, but I, you know, wrongly assumed Proxmox was only for. Uh, doing Proxmox VE backups, but XCPNG backups are exclusively for backing up XCPNG. So that's right. Um, maybe I can probably roll it all into one episode where we cover just, I, I, we'll look at exactly how to do it, but we'll, uh, because it's not going to be as visual, but these are much like Jay has Proxmox on his channel. I have a series of in depth videos on Proxmox, uh, or sorry, XCPNG on my channel. So uh, I can do a video where we cover all of that topic. That's on our to do list as well. So, yeah, we have literally a to do list and we have have a lot of things on there um and i have some things i'll be adding just as a spoiler i have the turing pi 2 in the studio i'm checking it out so i'll be doing a video on that um i'm going to be checking out ceph in a couple of weeks so there's going to be some traction on that um there's a there's a lot of stuff coming in most of those things will probably be at the beginning of the year let's be honest because this month is going to be sporadic but lots of really awesome topics and um just to close out the proxmox backup server side of things um Again, just try it out if it matters. I mean, I like the fact that you have, if you have Proxmox VE, you can use the same system for virtual machine container backups and also all your other machines as well, all in one place, assuming you're running Debian Ubuntu on those other places. I think that's a that's a good fit for a lot of people, but if it's not a good fit for you, just, well, we'll be covering other systems. So yeah. you'll, you'll find yours. Absolutely. So thank you for joining us. It's uh, been fun. And as always, hit our feedback for and leave us some links, leave some comments down below here. I did leave that video is already in the uh, comments description. So the description of this video, you'll find the full tutorial on Proxmox backup that Jay put together. And uh, thanks. Yep. See you guys next time. Thanks for listening.